2020 is an election year, which means buyers and sellers alike will have concerns about election results and their effect on the economy. In this episode, we talk about how you can best prepare for selling amongst the uncertainty. Whether you're buying your dream property or selling a million dollar home, why not get the highest price and the best advice? This is Luxury Real Estate Talk, the art and business of buying and selling high-end homes with stories and insider knowledge from top luxury agents nationwide and around the globe. Here's our host, Rob Jensen. This is episode 17 with Michael Lafito, top producing realtor, author, and founder of Marketing Luxury Group. Today we talk about how to determine whether you're in a buyer's or seller's market, why first impressions are crucial, and how to make your home stand out in a crowded market. So tell me a little bit about where you're from and where you sell luxury real estate. Yeah, so I'm based in the Chicagoland market, uh, specifically Oak Brook, Illinois, just west of downtown, and uh, run a small real estate uh, business for agents. I coach and consult real estate agents and brokerages, and I also practice what I preach, and I sell real estate as well. You've got a great wealth of knowledge because not only are you in the trenches, so to speak, yourself, but you're communicating with other top-end agents and I'm assuming other markets as well. Yeah, that's one of the great things about the consulting business. Uh, You know, we travel all across the country and uh, usually about 20 to 24 times a year um, speaking on somebody else's stage or, you know, masterminding with other top luxury agents. So we got a pretty good uh, finger on the pulse as far as what's happening in the market and specifically high-end and luxury and what, 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 where trends are trending and uh, what are best practices that we're seeing agents, uh, you know, implement in their, in their given market as far as how to get these high-end and difficult and, and luxury homes sold, where in most markets it's considered a buyer's market. It's very difficult to sell uh, the, the top properties. Uh, what, what we're seeing right now, end of 2018, and as we excuse me, end of 2019, and we head into 2020. Got it. So yes, we've got an election year coming up in 2020. What does that mean for real estate, luxury real estate specifically? Yeah, historically, election uh, years are uh, slower. Uh, You know, people don't know who's going to either get reelected or who who the president's going to be. And that tends to slow the market down overall. And, um, you know, I go to, as I mentioned, a lot of these big conferences and many of the the big influencers and, and experts are saying that 2020 is going to be a, a very slow real estate year. And uh, some people are using the word recession or, or bubble and that sort of thing overall. And um, luxury, I'm seeing it, it start now. I'm, I'm actually seeing in many markets that the, the upper end, even though uh, I know the stock market's been volatile when we're, we're recording this now, but but overall the, the market's still pretty decent. But but real estate, luxury real estate has slowed down this year uh, compared to last. Got it. So if I'm a seller and my home's either on the market now or I'm going to need to sell it next year, what does that mean if it's if I'm coming into this slower market? You know, in, in a seller's market, uh, an owner can hire maybe a friend or uh, maybe a part-time agent and, and the home still might sell quickly and maybe get multiple offers. But when you're in a buyer's market and a slower market, you know, a seller's got to really do their due diligence and hire the best marketing agent, somebody that's got experience of selling high-end or similar priced properties as theirs. As theirs. Um, you know, somebody that's, a, that's creative, thinks outside the box, doesn't keep doing the same things that everybody else does, right? Einstein defined that as insanity. 
<laughs> exactly. So I want to get into some of those creative marketing ideas. But before we do, because once again, you're you're exposed to markets nationwide. How does a seller because, you know, I'm in Las Vegas, you're in Chicago, people listening to this podcast can be in other cities and states, of course. How does a seller sort of objectively determine if they're in a slow market or a slowing market? I mean, they, of course, are seeing homes sell in their neighborhood, perhaps, but how do they really know? Is there is there a way you can explain that? Or they should questions they should ask to understand the market they're in? Yeah, that, that, that data is not as easily accessible uh, to the consumer as it is real estate agents. So I would recommend to somebody that's interviewing real estate agents or maybe their home is on the market um, to, to ask specific questions, uh, specifically how many months of inventory there is for their price point of a home. So there's some great resources out there that that can help educate the consumer. But, but when historically, when there's seven or more months of inventory, that's considered a buyer's market. And for example, in the Chicagoland market where I'm based in one of the communities that I serve, there's four years of inventory in a million dollar plus price point, four years. And so to keep it really simple, seven homes above a million dollars sold in the last year. And there's, 29 on the market. So it would, you know, you sell seven this year, seven next, there's four years. So again, that, that is a very good indicator, uh, whether it's a buyer's market or seller's market. So if there's less than four months, that's what we call a seller's market. If there's four, five, six, six months net, that's a healthy, that's a, that's a neutral market. And when, as I mentioned, when there's seven or more months, that's what we call a buyer's market. So that's um, Rob, a statistic. That's something that, and that's why I said earlier in their price point, because <clears throat> let's just say, you know, in Oak Brook, Illinois, you know, maybe overall in Oak Brook, Illinois, there's five months of inventory, which would be considered a neutral market. But maybe you're talking to a seller that's got a $1.5 million home and there's 18 months of inventory, which is considered a buyer's market. So don't just talk about overall how the community is doing but specifically for their price point. That's really most important. Absolutely. And, and to add one more um, detail is, is sometimes also what their product class is as well. I mean, I know you're just giving a rough overview, but in Las Vegas, for example, there are not a lot of single stories. You know, these, the land's expensive. Builders can put, in, put uh, bigger homes on smaller lots with two-story homes. So when I'm looking at pricing and, and competition and what you're talking about, you're inventory or sort of absorption rate, you know, the, if a home's yeah. a one story, that can be a completely different scenario than a two story. There might be a, a four month, you know, for that 1.5 price point, there might be a four month supply of one stories, but a 12 month supply of two stories. But yet that homeowner in the two story sees the one story next door, you know, and they're trying to compare themselves to that. But I'm like, that can be a different market in some cases. Yeah, that's it's apples and oranges. I'm glad you brought that up, Rob. You're absolutely right. You want to uh, not just price point, but similar type property, right? Single family homes versus condos would not be good. You you want like and like condo and condo or, you know, multi-unit, multi-unit, single family, single family. You know, um, that's really important um, that, that you're, you're doing that. So now you're more apples with apples versus apples and oranges. So good, uh, good point you brought up there. Some other statistics to think about is uh, 
cumulative days on market, cumulative. That means you add, you know, some real estate boards can cancel a home and relist it and it will show up as a new listing, but add up the, the true days on the market for how many times it's been with how many agents and canceled and relisted. That's what you call cumulative days on the market. So you want to look at what the cumulative days on the market is. Um, again, for their price point, similar type, you know, single family, single family. And uh, it's really important because many times uh, the seller's expectations uh, aren't realistic perhaps because the agent hasn't explained the data, the market. And so all the seller knows is the home down the street sold quickly with multiple offers, but that was the original bungalow from the 1960s and it's probably going to be torn down versus your upper end home. And, and, and so again, that's apples and oranges. So again, manage the sellers and the buyers expectations. I tell real estate agents when I speak and train, and if you're a consumer and you're someone buying or selling, do your due diligence so that you can make a sound decision. Yeah. And I just, it's always hard because of course people are very proud of their homes and it's personal and emotional. And sometimes people homeowners have a hard time kind of looking at objectively and realizing that buyers do have other choices and buyers aren't as attached to yeah. their home that they are. So it's like, that's where I just, to add to what you just said is for these sellers to try and have some degree of um, objectivity and understanding, like what, like you said, talking to your agent, comparing apples to apples, apples, trying to understand what's where you really stand and then still come up with your strategy, but don't just start yeah. with this like blind, sort of delusion, so to speak. Well, you, you bring up a good point. Um, there, there's, there's the old tagline, my house is special. Again, if you are a seller, your house is special to you, but it's very difficult to get really uh, objection, objectionable advice and critiques on your home. I call it SWOT analysis. You know, what are the strengths of the home and the weaknesses? What what do what are buyers looking for today? Because how many times have you entertained Rob, where you've had a, somebody come over and critique your home to your face? It doesn't happen, right? <laughs> so I can't tell you how many times I have sellers. Even yesterday, I had a gal that says, "Well, my house is one of the nicest ones in the neighborhood," and maybe it was, or maybe it is. I haven't seen it yet, but I, 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 I had a dollar for every time I heard that. You know, I'd be a billionaire. So my <laughs> point is, um, as a seller get multiple opinions and it's no different than medical. If you had something going on medical, you want to get a second and third opinion, but I don't know about you, Rob. I mean, um, you know, I had kidney stones a couple of years ago and it, I was, I didn't know what to expect. And I, I just told a hey, bottom line and what's worst case scenario, you know, don't sugarcoat anything. And I always tell sellers, do you want me to tell you what you want to hear? Or do you want me to be honest with you and direct with you and tell you what you need to hear? And of course they, they might, not want to hear that, but 99% of the time they say, Hey, tell me what I need to hear. Be honest with me. And so, you know, you might have to tell them that, Hey, that wallpaper is too personalized or your, your window treatments, or hey, I know grass is coming back, but still the majority of buyers don't like grass today and, and whatever it might be. So, um, so those are the, uh, you know, the tricks as a consumer to put your, Put your personal, as a seller or a buyer, put your personal taste aside and just try to be objectionable as much as you can. And sometimes the truth hurts, but I know buying and selling is a very emotional process, especially if you raise kids there and you have a lot of 
memories in that chapter of your life. But, you know, a newer kitchen isn't something that was installed in 2005 even, right? So, like, many times the consumer, the sellers, are too um, too emotionally tied into their home. So they need to hire an agent that's got a proven track record of marketing high-end and, and luxury homes similar to theirs, but also has case studies and, and, and different visuals to, to hammer home points to, to help them, you know, understand and grasp concepts. Yeah, no, that's, that's fantastic. Just being able to shoot straight because I find it's, it's just still one of those things that it's a lot of times sellers will still go with the agent that tells them just the higher price. And like you said, what they oh. want to hear. And it, yeah. and it doesn't mean you can't have an honest conversation with an agent and come up with a strategy to test the market. I mean, sometimes, you know, there's, if you are, that single story and it really is a seller's market or you have something unique or a better view, you know, then, then maybe there's a, a strategy there, but it starts with being honest. Mm -hmm. Like you said, having a, a yeah. real, an objective, yeah. realistic conversation. Um, so yeah. let's, and I'll tell, I'll tell a seller all the time. Let's just say they think the home is worth 950,000 and, and, and all the data that I have suggests it's worth less. But I'll tell them, hey, Rob, we can start at your price. Ultimately, it doesn't matter what I think your home is worth or if you think it's worth nine fifty. Ultimately, the market's going to let us know what it's worth. But we can test the market at your price at our initial go-to-market price, and then we can reevaluate after X amount of days or weeks or fill in the blank. Absolutely. And that, to me, is where like that true partnership comes into play. You're, you have an honest line of communication, but yet you're working together with a as a team to, to get the best price. Cause that's, that is the one thing with, that I do understand with sellers is they're always a little worried about leaving money on the table. So sometimes you got to come mm -hmm. up with a strategy to make sure you, you don't end up on the market for years and wasting everyone's time and getting the low price, but you, you get it right. So let's, yeah. Yeah. let's say you're okay. Let's say it's 2020 and you're, you know, your home's on the market or you're putting your home up on the market and guess what? You're in one of those buyer's markets where there's, you know, 11 months supply for your home. So clearly not as many, you know, high supply, low demand, not as many buyers, lots of options for buyers that are out there. What are some things that sellers can do to, you know, have more creative marketing, like you mentioned earlier, something to s stand apart from the crowd? Well, b before you even get into the creative marketing, in which I'll answer those and give you some ideas and give the listeners some ideas, it really starts with first impression. So if you are educated up front, and you know there's, in this example, 11 months of inventory, then you have to take the time to do the things that your competition perhaps wasn't willing to do. For example, because there's 11 months of inventory, because it's a buyer's market, you have to really do your due diligence, not just on which agents you're going to hire, but also what market research suggests. So again, you might have pink wallpaper and, and carpeting and you're saying, well, listen, if I'm willing to give them a credit or I'm willing to, to change out the, the, the carpeting, the, the shag carpeting and the dated this, that fill in the blank. But only if we hear that feedback. I, I'd like to roll, you know, roll our dice and, and hit the market first. And then if after, you know, a month or 60 days, we're not getting positive feedback, then I'd consider doing it. That's, that's a, a bad mistake in a, 
in a buyer's market, Rob, because you have one time to make a first impression. So if there's a lot of inventory that's not moving out there, you have to look at it as what can I do to stand out above the competition and be memorable to both the agents as well as the potential buyers. So, so before you even get into marketing and aggressive and, and strategy, it, it, it starts with before you hit live on the, and the agent you hire hits live on the multiple listing service. And before you go on those third party websites, you know, you have to do the things your competition isn't willing to. So that might mean going to market three weeks later than you wanted, but you got to take the time and, 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 and do that because when you get people through your, your home, Mr. Seller, we want them, we want the buyer to, Remember years, I want the experience to be better for the agent, the buyer. I want them not to have a magnifying glass and say, wow, man, there's a lot of issues here and be scared away. No, let's take care of it before we go to market versus after because days on market are toxic. Let me repeat that. Days on market are toxic for a seller. The, the highest price a seller is going to get is when the home is relatively fresh and new on the multiple listing service on the market. And so if you reevaluate things after 30, 60, 90 days, then I would consider doing some things. You're going to leave a lot more money on the table than you would have if you took care of it right before you went on the market. Yeah. Couldn't agree with you more. I, I find by the time I'm meeting with the seller, usually they want their home on the market yesterday so when I'm yeah. making recommendations or my stagers making recommendations, clearly there's a little frustration and almost impatience at time. And, and I see it all the time where agents will list homes that, that they don't even have photos or it's not the professional photos. And, and you just, yeah. it's just such a, you bring up a good, yeah. you, you bring up a good point. Rob. People are visual though. Most human beings are visual by nature. Like if you think back to high school or college, a, a professor or teacher you had, you know, it was a good experience. They didn't just read from the book. There was interaction. People learn in different ways, right? And so sellers learn in different ways as well. So I teach real estate agents to, to put together a lot of case studies and before and after books that show, hey, this home, uh, <clears throat> like for the, the one that stands out, this is an extreme case. But I was selling a home in called River Forest, Illinois. A lot of Frank Lloyd Wright's homes uh, in, in River Forest. This home had been on the market for over a year with another agent, and they they called me. They called another agent, and the home had a lot of taxidermist animals in the house. Not <laughs> living animals, but stuffed animal heads. And I mean, they literally had a polar bear stuffed, full polar bear and lion. But where I'm going with this is the the other agent they interviewed, along with the agent that they were listed with at the time said, oh, the animals are fine. People couldn't see past it. Like, no, I brought in a lot of case studies, a lot of pictures, and I reminded them, do you want to market your home to a small pool of buyers? We're already going to be priced well over $2 million, so you're going to have a small pool of buyers to begin with. And then an uh, even smaller pool of buyers that aren't going to be offended with all the animals in all the pictures. So, Or would you prefer that we take the time, we neutralize, we paint, we stage, and we open up to a larger pool of buyers. So, so would you prefer a small pool of buyers? And you know what that's gotten you over the last year, one showing, or a larger pool of buyers. And we literally, that was a meeting in June, and we didn't go on the market till right after Labor Day. And I missed the prime selling season. But again, we had one time to make a, a prime 
first impression, and I felt that was much more valuable based on market research, and I know what the consumer is looking for. So that's really important that, that uh, as a seller, you know, ask an agent, well, do you have some examples? Can you, can you share with me some before and afters? Or, you know, most people are visual by nature. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, one thing that is just kind of occurring to me, and I mentioned it to people, I, I mentioned it in marketing or something before, is the idea that sellers should, you know, if, if they have, sometimes when people need to sell, it's kind of spur of the moment, it's a job reload, or there, there's something that's kind of just short notice on their end. But if, but in general, if they're considering selling or know they're going to sell in six months or a year, it's like, I say meet with the, you know, figure out who you're hiring now and like start that conversation because then, you know, they can be ready for the prime season versus just getting started. That's a great point, Rob. So uh, for anybody that's listening, watching, uh, again, if you're thinking about selling next year, start interviewing those agents now because otherwise what happens is you might make some improvements or neutralization that you think is going to help get your home sold and you've just wasted money. This is a perfect example, Rob. I was selling a home for called one and a half million dollars and before he hired me, he, he called me and I went on the appointment and he's like, oh, we just invested 20 something thousand dollars on on gutter uh, leaf guards, you know, that yep. prevent leaves falling in the gutters. And that 20 something thousand, he wasn't going to get any return on that investment. He should have invested that on updating light fixtures and removing wallpaper and paint and cosmetics. He would have gotten so much more. And that's a perfect example. Had he called and started interviewing before he invested any money in the home, he would have prevented that, that, that wasted investment. hundred percent. And so there's the, the staging elements of the home, both inside and outside. Yeah. And then there are some other things that, that can make a difference that I like the opportunity if I can get started on even getting our marketing materials prepared early. So sometimes, you know, if they're not going to be ready to list their home until January or February, when all the landscaping's dead and barren, Maybe we take some photos in the fall or, you know, in the summer when the, you know, things are in bloom and the trees have leaves or the, the days are nicer where you can show, you know, because even when the house is ready and now it's go time to start getting things on the market, well, you might get hit with some rainy days where now, now we've delayed the, pho the photography and, you know, or all yeah. of a sudden you've got family in town. So it's like, it's life, you know, it's this house you live in, so it can create yeah. <laughs> scheduling conflicts, but I just know the more lead time you have with your agent to communicate, come up with the plan on the staging, the, the repairs, painting, wallpaper, light fixtures. If you're going to do that, sometimes people still don't have the time or the money to, to go down that route. But even the marketing materials, if you're doing video or copywriting, I mean, that, that does still take time. You can't just snap your fingers to get it done right. Yeah, very, very, very good points, Rob. So assuming they did all those things, you know, then of course the next step is amazing photos and, and video is a way to make your, your home stand above the competition. And uh, just being proactive. Um, proactive is, you know, keeping up with all the interior, exterior maintenance. Another example would be um, open houses. The open houses in the Chicagoland area aren't that well attended or successful and helping lead to a sale. According to a recent National Association of Realtors uh, research, only 2% of all sales 
uh, occur because of an open house. However, there is another fringe benefit of an open house. So I have my team members post open houses on our listings, but I manage the seller's expectations. I tell them, you know, hey, we don't get a lot of traffic on open houses in the Chicago land market, but even if we get one or nobody show up, your home will get more online clicks and views than the guy next door that didn't host an open house. So there's some benefit. Those are some ways to be creative and think outside the box. So if I get more eyeball traffic and more clicks and more views, Rob, than the competition, I have a higher probability that they raise their hand and contact me, the marketing agent, the listing agent, or their own agent. And so that's, that's, that's one example um, that they can do. And just to clarify, I think, so you're saying like that those ab- those open houses are then advertised on Zillow or Realtor.com or Trulia, and then that sort of their algorithm pushes them up for getting more exposure on those websites. Yeah, so exactly. I mean, I'm always looking for the principle of slight edge. When I go to these big national conferences, I'm, I'm picking the brain of these vendors that are out in the vendor alley. And, and yeah, they'll, they'll flat out tell you, you know, yeah, when you do an open house, um, those listings get more traffic through our algorithm or whatever, um, and more placement, better placement than those that don't. Got it. And so for sellers listening to this, when you're interviewing agents, you got to go on there. You can't just take their word for it. You got to investigate and go on their, you know, Zillow page, their truly a page, their realtor.com page, their YouTube page and see are, you know, is there prof are these profiles these property profiles built out are they posting like are they active and what are they doing you know because sometimes i'll go on and they'll be you know you can look at an agent's his sales history and active inventory through their zillow profile you know and yet sometimes yeah. people don't even have their own photo or their bio or simple things their areas they service filled out in some of these pro and it's like online is everyone's first view of a house these days is online. It's like when they come to the house in person, that's almost like their second showing is being there in person. So that's where, especially making the, having your best internet curb appeal, so to speak, you know, I'm a big fan of video. What has your experience been with video lately? Yeah, I'm a huge proponent of video. There's different types of video your agent can do for you. Uh, Of course, the property video, right, where sometimes they bring in a drone and do some walkthrough on the inside of the home. There's um, there's community videos agents can do uh, talking about the community and why it's great and talk about the amenities, walking distance to this, the parks, the schools, etc. And then there's like there's sit down interview videos. So Rob, you're the seller and I'm the agent. And hey Rob, you know you've been in this home for 13 years. And you know what are some of the things that uh, you know are your favorite aspects of this neighborhood or the home or whatever? And now it's first person, you know you know, perspective and, and, and it touches on those emotional buttons, uh, which can really catapult your home over the competition. I've sold homes because of video. I've had, I I sold this one video I did where they had an outdoor pizza oven and and a pool and we had the kids in the pool and the drone and all that. Uh, I had a buyer um, put in an offer on this community that's very slow. And she specifically, I said, Hey, did the seller, um, excuse me, did the buyer look at the video we created? She goes, the video? She goes, Mike, he lives in this town. He wanted to get out of here because of taxes and blah, blah, blah. He saw the video, said, we got to go see this home. And she said to him, well, wait, this is in the town of West Chicago. You told me you want to get out of 
I saw this video, I want to see it. And so, again, video is a way to differentiate. There's these 3D walkthroughs today. You know, there's companies like Matterport. If it's unique and stuff, those are good too. But I will pick video over those all day. Perfect. There's a couple quick points I just want to bring up. So first of all, for people listening, when we say video, we're talking real video. Like there's a lot of, you know, sellers that think that their client does video, but it's like a slideshow to music. Like it's has these Ken Burns effects where it pans across a still image or zooms in. And it's, it's just, it's not video. So once again, if you want video marketing done, go to your agent's YouTube page, look at their website, see what they're actually doing. Um, I mean, I'm glad you brought it up as far as owners being involved. Um, I think that's a great, so much marketing jargon has become cliche these days, such as entertainers dream home and that sort of you know jargon and it's it can be true but when everyone's saying it it starts to fall kind of on deaf ears so when you can cut through the clutter and your your homeowner can share why they chose that house or what they've enjoyed about that house it really makes a difference so um i know we got i know we got to wrap this up you've got other big homes to get to and sell today do you have any more advice you'd like to share with buyers or sellers out there in the market today you know, hey, keep an open communication with your agent. Make sure your agent is filling you in on what's on the market, what's sold recently. Uh, markets change, could be changed in a heartbeat, could be different on one side of the, the tracks than the other and one zip code than the other, even within a town, within a community. So be a student of the game. Do your own research. Keep an open line of communication with your agent. Um, and... Be willing to look in the mirror as a seller. I mean, don't always be quick to blame the agent, the agent, the agent, the agent. Maybe it's your price. Um, maybe you didn't listen to the agent and didn't implement his suggestions or the stager's suggestions. Maybe the stager's furniture isn't your liking. Well, again, it's not about you liking it. It's about what will more buyers like, which will get more traffic, which will increase me my likelihood of getting my price, right? So put your pride aside. And, and be open to suggestions, Mr. and Mrs. Seller. Fantastic. If people have a home to sell in your area or just have more questions for you direct, what's the best way for them to reach you? Uh, shoot me an email, Michael at MarketingLuxuryGroup.com. Michael at MarketingLuxuryGroup. Again, we help uh, consumers all over the, the country. So if you're a seller and you're not happy with your, uh, your current agent, uh, or maybe you are, but you just want some additional manpower, we can help. Um, we're helping a $16 million seller right now that was on the TV show Nashville. In, uh, it's down in Nashville. She's happy with her agent, but she wanted more international exposure. And so I'm working with her. I'm working with her agent. And so we can uh, offer those types of services as well. But uh, our website's marketingluxurygroup.com. And my email is michael at marketingluxurygroup.com. Fantastic. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Luxury Real Estate Talk with Rob Jensen. If you like what you heard, please share with your friends and colleagues and give us some stars. We would love to hear your feedback. Connect with Rob at robjensen.com.